0: Spend less time quoting and more time selling.
1: This episode is sponsored by our friends at the NTMA, the National Tooling and Machining Association. The NTMA is an association of privately held, entrepreneurial-based, and family-owned businesses representing nearly 1,200 small to mid-sized machine shops and tool and die shops across the country. They have approximately 30 very active regional chapters that host local events, run apprenticeship programs, and provide other services to their regional members. As an association of peers, the goal of the NTMA is to help members of the US precision custom manufacturing industry achieve profitable growth and business success in a global economy through networking, workforce development and training, technology, best practices education, advocacy, programs and services with industry partners. To learn how your company can get involved with the NTMA, including how to join, visit ntma.org.
0: Shazam, this is Jay Jacobs. Welcome to the Job Shop Show. I am here today with Jeff Gorman once again, and we have talked about how to teach, train, develop, less experienced team members into becoming productive in estimating. Usually the most experienced person or persons in a shop Are slotted for quoting because, well, if you blow that quote, you can lose lots of money and upset a customer. However, lots of the tasks are repetitive. Some can be automated while others require a human touch. Therefore, if some of the estimating load can be distributed to a less expensive team member, the lead estimator, who may very well have other equally important roles to attend to, they can focus on the important If this is something you're up against, I hope you find some value in our conversation. Let's roll. Jeff, good to see you again. Good to see you as well, Jay. How are you? I am excellent. I am so psyched for the warmer weather. And we hit a milestone at Paperless Parts last week, the first week of May. We are recording in the second week of May. Can you share what that was with folks? Oh, yeah. So, we finally
2: cracked the 100 headcount markers. So we've got over 100 people working at paperless parts now. Our office is right about overflowing. we had to start piecemealing some guests, desks around the office and tacking them on to, to existing rows of tables. But we're making it work, and it's been super fun. That is so
0: cool. It is amazing. I never had imagined that we would grow so quickly, and it is the atmosphere. If a customer is, or or even if you're a prospect in the Boston area, I would encourage you to stop by the office because the intensity of energy is incredible. I like that. The Startups are, are so much fun. Well, today, I think we've got a few different topics we want to jump into. You had let me know that a question that has come up more than a couple times is how do you get junior people to be able to quote sheet metal parts and you when you started had no idea on how to quote sheet metal parts so perhaps a good way to start is what was your journey like how did you figure out how to quote sheet metal parts yeah and
2: that's exactly right. Jay, this question has come up a bunch and you know, a customer straight up reached out and he said, Hey, how do you guys, how do you do your training? How do you get people up to speed on manufacturing? And in particular, he had asked about sheet metal and assembly quoting. So stepping back from that, I started at Paperless about just over a year and a half ago now. And, no, I've,
0: and didn't know anything about sheet metal.
2: Yeah. I, I had no idea about manufacturing as a whole sheet metal more specifically. And, you know, I, I, credit all of my knowledge gained to first and foremost, the paperless parts platform, the product itself. And what do you just mean by that? Well, the product's set up in a way that enables learning, I think, I mean, we have help resources and all of that, but aside from that, it's structured for doing exactly what we're trying to, to describe here and, and to quote, so. It's kind of an intuitive foundation to learn about estimating and, you know, what goes into making a part, how a quote should look, what types of information are captured in a quote. At least, you know, I get to see all sorts of different ways people are quoting before they come to paperless parts and like these spreadsheets and tables and ERP systems are not so intuitive to understanding the what and the why kind of, whereas paperless is a little bit more friendly, at least for my you know, young eyes to, to log into where I've never seen estimating done before. Just someone pops open paperless parts and starts walking through it was probably the first type of grasp I got on what estimating was and, and making parts was about.
0: I'm thinking a spreadsheet or an ERP system probably has a list of operations and things for you to fill in. How does paperless present the what and the why differently? It's a good question. So you're right. Yeah.
2: Spreadsheets will typically have some sort of set of inputs that are either work centers or operations work centers, if you're dealing with an ERP. But again, it's like, where do you get the information to plug into? That's the hard part. Um, Uh So when I'd look at a quote and I'd see, so you got material, you got laser, you got forming, you got, I don't know, you deburring hardware insertion finishing it's like okay I can start to learn what each of those different steps are but from an estimating perspective it's like how do you get the information and put it in there to, to come to a cost that's what was so mind-boggling or foreign to me when this whole idea of estimating was was introduced um, I think paperless does a good job of like linking the part to the estimation where I can look at a you know a model in our part viewer and very clearly see four bends say called out highlighted in green or whatever the coloring is and like, okay, so you have to bend that thing four times to make this box that, that makes more sense now.
0: And it auto populates the number four in the bend operation. If it's a 3d model. Correct. And maybe it does a couple of other things.
2: Maybe it, it looks at those four bends and says, okay, these two bends are, are 90 degrees, but this one's only 45. Mm-hmm. So there's two different types of bends there. So we need to do two different setups. So paperless, will call that out as you know a unique bend. And as to me, opposed, that makes sense. Then, it's like, I'm
0: I'm thinking, if you are not of the manufacturing world, and somebody introduces you to SolidWorks or even a viewer, then it's up to you to figure out what is a bend. Count the number of bends. And the different angles on the bends, which would indicate different setups, probably the automation of the information that's presented I is what I'm hearing, helped you learn what each of those features was. Absolutely. Yes. And because, and that's what I loved at Rapid is we interrogated the 3D CAD model. And pulled out every single piece of information we could, and we pre-populated our quotes with that. The thing I always liked about it is, you get into a part with lots of bands or lots of hardware, particularly when quantities get up, or where things are similar enough if you at a quick glance, but they're not the same, but you assume that they are the same and that's a gotcha. I was always trying to get rid of gotchas and the the 3d model is unambiguous. It tells you exactly what it is. And it's the quoting system that allows you to accurately, quickly extract that.
2: Yeah. I think you're kind of, you're, you're putting the words in my mouth now and I (laughs) I have to agree with you a ton. Like I might be exposing myself here, but if you sent me to a a print of a, a model it would take me so long to go and figure out you know I, I could count bends quickly if it was a simple model but i wouldn't even know where to go to find the radii of those bends or you know go find the the radius of a chamfer on a milled part like i i just don't know where to look in in paperless that information is just pulled out and kind of presented to me and now i can start to grasp okay this this belongs in the forming operation you know i need to tell that that there's four bends and there's two radii, or, or the system is going to tell your operation that but
0: it so just makes- what, I'm, what i'm hearing is and this was always we would say at rapid we will make the part if you don't give us a 2d model but we won't even quote the part unless you give us a 3d model because the 3d model is so critical and you may be listening to this going, well, all I get is prints. And some customers will never give you 3D models. But I know from experience, if you're pain in the ass enough, you can train customers to give you 3D models. And once you put in that effort, it allows you to bring in a junior engineer, a junior estimator, because the systems are doing the work, as opposed to trying to teach a Jeff Gorman <laughs> how to highlight I mean literally we would have a a pile of different highlighters different colors and use this color for tolerances use this color for non-geometric information use this color for hardware or tapped holes you it it was a freaking mess sometimes with the prints that came in but that's what that's what we had to do and that it worked until somebody missed something but the 3d models even if you do get prints just get you so far along the way yeah
2: and and not losing sight of what what the initial discussion was regarding i mean thinking back to kind of like the Evolution of my understanding of estimating and quoting and mm-hmm. you know, working with with sheet metal and laser cut parts and assemblies is, I mean, there's so much stuff on the internet too, like YouTube. All you go on there and and research, you know, how to how to quote a laser cut part. You're gonna find a ton, a ton of resources, even down to formulas that will help you nest parts on a sheet.
0: Mm-hmm. All sorts
2: of forums with people chatting online. So, as a younger person, that
0: did you go you know, on na- YouTube?
2: Oh yeah. yeah, navigating that that type of environment for a, a junior person, wh- who I consider myself to be, and I'm recently out of college, is it's it's it feels very normal. Like that that's how we're trained to go about our studies at school. And you know, if I want to, if I'm trying to, you know, I, I played video games a ton growing up. So if I wanted to learn how to do something in a video game or beat something or unlock something, I would go there to go on the internet and research it. And someone's writing about it and someone's on YouTube talking about it. So the same thing stands for manufacturing and quoting. I mean, you just have to give people, point them in the right direction. And I think as a junior person, once you're kind of steered that way, there's a lot of interesting stuff out there to lean yeah. into. And so it, I'll, I mean, I'll, that I'll makes tell sense. you, a,
0: I'll tell you a funny story, which may just be common sense to you, but I was showing my son uh, two, three years ago, how to check the oil in his car and couldn't quite figure out where the oil stick was. And I'm looking around, I'm trying to get the manual out, and he's on his phone and he's pissing me off because here I'm trying to teach him a life lesson and he's on his phone doing whatever with his friends. And so I start to say something to him, he says, Oh, it's right over there. And I asked him, how did you figure that out? He goes, well, I just went onto YouTube and looked while you were trying to find the manual. <laughs> so it's, as you say, for your generation, that's a natural resource of material. And maybe a shop owner might wonder why a new team member is on the computer watching youtube videos thinking that's a waste of time but man it's not there is so much information out there and i guess that, that's a great answer it's not one technique to teach a inexperienced person whether they're 20 or whether they're 50 how to quote sheet metal parts it's let people gravitate to the tools that work for them, and definitely YouTube is one of those resources. I love it.
2: Totally, and even you know, piggybacking onto that, I don't want to discount collaboration. So you know, going on YouTube and reading on forums and whatnot sounds like a solo kind of exercise or initiative, but yeah. thinking more about this now, when I started at Paperless, I started alongside. A couple of other junior folks, so we, we were all kind of in the same boat. And if I didn't have those people to bounce ideas off of or bounce questions off of and, so, and speak with, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have been able to. I wouldn't have gotten through it. I wouldn't have wanted to get through it, and I, I would have. Wouldn't have enjoyed it.
0: This is exactly how we brought on the new folks at Rapid. We would hire a minimum of two, hopefully three people at one time, and we would. We didn't want to train one person at a time, and this may sound a little daunting to a smaller shop, but if you're a mid-size or larger shop, you want to hire at least two people, maybe three, and let them learn together, help each other out. They're not all going to make it. We were hoping one of the three would make it, sometimes two of the three, almost certainly somebody didn't make it for whatever reason, but the... Training is easier for you, but all as you just said, Jeff, man, the collaboration and the helping of one another because it's not a solo effort. The shops that have people that never talk to one another are gonna be
2: stagnant and not growing. And we've also got a lot of internal procedures at Paperless Parts, you know standard operating procedures and frameworks for all sorts of different things. So like the, the most basic example I can think of is back in elementary school and your teacher would say, you know, ask three and then ask me. So you go ask three friends for help. Mm-hmm. And if they don't have the answer, then you go to the teacher. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of stuff like that in place. So, you know, you can go to our help docs. You can go to our historical support ticket database and search mm-hmm. there for related, you know, questions or issues or feedback. But we have a very clear like how to escalate when you need help or have
0: questions and where to go for that. What would a um, shop do though, who doesn't have that sort of thing? They are, they've got one estimator who is buried, has 60 hours of work in the week and they're trying to get it all done in as close to 40 as possible. Well, that's
2: a great, great segue and sort of what I was hoping to get to. So paperless parts is that standard operating procedure and framework uh-huh. you know for these types of shops. But even with that, you know, it's not going to be a, a plug-and-play solution. If it, if it were, I think that'd be kind of, that'd be discounting what we're, we're all trying to do and solve here, but it's going to be a framework that, that's consistent, standardized, and, and workable and intuitive, as I said at the start of this discussion. Mm-hmm. But on top of that, you know, shops are gonna have to layer in internal frameworks for these junior folks. Say here, here's what you do when you get stuck. You know, you you come right. to and maybe you, part of that come... framework is reaching out to paperless parts support and then you know, going to the boss or whoever's in charge of estimating. So it, it's all about giving people a, a
0: set of tools and some sort but of you can, foundation. You, you can also do that with workflow where if a quote dollar is over a certain amount or you pick the the variable that's important to you you are not allowed to send out the quote yourself you're 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 locked out and that senior estimator has to do it so there's that that check step which that's important because it's super to get someone inexperienced in but if they are sending out bad quotes you're going to go out of business pretty quickly Right. So it's it's two faceted. You can write
2: these rules to enable or prevent, I guess, any kind of junior mistakes, if you will. And you also need to provide a, a good framework to prevent them before they happen. So you can
0: mm-hmm.
2: kind of prevent them before and after and, and set yourself
0: up for success that way. There are a lot of people out there who I think would love to be involved in manufacturing and a whether it's on the floor or in the engineering, I'll call it engineering, estimating engineering sort of flows together. It's particularly in sheet metal. The one thing I wanted to mention was that, and this is, we started doing this back in the mid 2010s. Our algorithms, which we quoted with, were actually so good that we would send out automated quotes without a person ever looking at it. And that, if you think about it, and this would be for parts without prints, I should put that caveat in there. But if you think about it, that is a great way for a new person to learn the quoting because if you can give them the time and trust the templates, the quoting engine that you set up, then they can, like you, parse through it and say, okay, I saw four bends, there's actually five, or I thought there were only two unique bend types and there's actually four unique bend types. And then they go into the 3D viewer and they can check that out and figure out why they didn't see that and learn. I'll also throw out when I, I never did any quoting until I owned Rapid Sheet Metal. And one of the things that I did that really accelerated my quoting efforts is I would look at the part and for each quantity I would put down before I even started quoting, what I thought the price would be. And then I would look when I finally got the number and see how close I was or wasn't. And if I was really off i would try to figure out my reasoning why i was off so it's something i call spiraling in you start at the outside and that's when you have no knowledge no experience and every little piece of knowledge and experience that you pick up along the way helps you spiral in and you're never going to get to the center but you just keep getting closer and closer and closer to the center so the check step of figuring out why I didn't nail that price before I started quoting enabled me to become a better quarter. So I would encourage that be implemented as well. And it's sort of fun. It's like a
2: game. <laughs> that is probably why, why as a younger person, I think that paperless is so intuitive One built by younger people. So mm-hmm. we, we take, you know, the things that we see and like in other softwares and and whatnot, and that gets incorporated into Paperless either intentionally or yeah. you know, in the back of the head without us even knowing it. But it's fun being in there. I mean, you pop open the part viewer; you got colors and flagged warnings and you know, blues and greens and yellows identifying
0: bends and hems and and you can customize those too. Perhaps this is we can talk about this at another time. But essentially, what you're talking about is showing visual indications of design for manufacturing or manufacturability. And the programs that are out there typically are standard to the industry standards, whereas we allow you to modify those to fit your shop. So if you have something you really don't like to do or something that you're really good at doing, then you can change that standard DFM into what is your standard for your shop. So customizable DFM is, is, is so cool. And relating back to the training, it helps you, You, you're, you're learning not the standards of the industry, but the standards of the shop, which is more important to the shop.
2: Totally. And just what you said about, modifying DFM warnings to you. A great example of that is just this past week, a customer reached out with, with a screenshot of, of their part in the part viewer. And they said, why am I seeing this warning? You know, what does this mean? They're just wondering why it's being called out as a warning on this part. Hmm. I said, well, that warning, it, it was a deep hole depth ratio warning. So it's saying that this is a deep hole, meaning the, the depth of the hole, given the radius of the hole is something to consider. You know, chatter I guess is the reasoning behind this and
0: mm-hmm.
2: I said well it it means that you know this hole is is deep and hard to drill all the way through and that's that's what it means in plain English I gave her the technical definition off of our help docs but she responded and said well that makes sense I get that but for plastics that isn't going to be a problem and to me that made, I said okay it's a it's a less hard material it's not going to cause the tool mm-hmm. as much problems so that makes sense And, you know, I pointed her how that can be modified for, you know, what depth is going to cause us a problem with plastic then. And and
0: what I'm hearing is you can modify it for a material. Correct. If that, if the standard was still true for aluminum, you want to keep that. But if it recognizes that it's plastic, it now makes it a greater ratio or removes it altogether. Correct. Wow, but the, there's so many other questions I want to ask you about DFM. So perhaps we can hit that on another chat, and then I'll throw out there as a teaser for folks that something else that you mentioned has been coming up is material pricing, and that is a nugget that I want to chew on as well with you because there are some really automated ways to get current pricing and by current i mean today's pricing so we have some fodder for uh, the next couple episodes i think Jeff.
2: yeah totally i mean I, I i agree i could could continue talking about dfm or i'd dive right into the material pricing topic too it's yeah. there's always more yeah i want to plug our junior folks out there it's okay it's a, so it's graduation time oh. we're talking about junior estimators so yes yeah. if you're thinking about it go ahead and do it well how
0: about this if you are a mechanical engineering graduate and you're wondering what to do give manufacturing a shot give in particular a shot that makes parts a look and You'll be surprised. There's so much automation, technology, opportunity, and you can be part of the resurgence of American manufacturing. Totally. Well, until next time, keep those spindles turning and those lasers cutting. Have a great one. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Job Shop Show podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to subscribe. So future episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your device. You can also leave an honest rating and review on Apple podcasts. Not only do I read every single one, it also helps me understand what content matters most to you. Thanks again for listening to the job shop show.